Okay, I think we're, we're about ready to continue. We'll continue with the, uh, the sermon, and you know, today is uh, kind of a dreary day. We lost an hour, everybody's a little groggy, so we're going to have a little bit of an interactive beginning to the service, or to the sermon. And here's how we're going to do it. I'm going to put this on the screen. Gosh, am I in the way? Um, why don't you look at that image on the screen? and. Um, it's one of those um, optical illusions. So what you need to do is focus on the four dots for about 30 seconds. So you can start that now, and I'll, I'll tell you when to stop. So just keep your focus on those, those four dots. Stop there. Now take a look at a blank wall somewhere, uh, maybe to the side or wherever you can see a blank wall. Maybe blink your eyes a couple times. And may, maybe you've uh, seen this before or done this kind of, kind of thing before. But uh, what do you see? Who do you see? You see, you see Jesus, right? Uh, you see Jesus in that, that image. You can have him pictured in your mind. And the reason I showed you that is because this sermon text we're going to read today really is all about seeing Jesus. And Jesus himself talks about this, how, how we can come to see him, not just seeing some image of him, but actually seeing him as a son of God and our Savior and our hope for eternal life. Uh, how, does, how does that happen? Here's the way Jesus is going to talk about it. He's going to say you have to be blind to see Jesus. You have to be blind to see Jesus. That's kind of, uh, doesn't make sense. It's one of those paradoxes that we come across in the Bible, right? There's a lot of paradoxes. You know, the Bible says that those, when you are weak, you are strong. Uh, the first will be last. Uh, you have to lose life, or those who, who um, lose this life will save their life. You kind of run across these paradoxes quite often in the Bible, and, and we'll look at one of them today, and it's this, that only the blind can see Jesus. And we're going to hear Jesus himself talk about that and, and kind of illustrate for us what that means. So we're read, reading from John chapter 9, uh, some select verses here. I'll just read through the whole section. John 9, beginning at verse 1. As he went along he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. 
Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had been blind. Now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. Therefore the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and I washed and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others asked, how can a sinner perform such signs? So they were divided. Then they turned again to the blind man. What have you to say about him? It was your eyes he opened. The man replied, he is a prophet. To this they replied, you were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out. And when he found him, he said, do you believe in the son of man? Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me, so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, You have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking to you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. Jesus said, For judgment I have come into this world, and here's the paradox, so that the blind will see, and those who see will become blind. So let's kind of walk through what happens here and then just think about what's, happens and what, what Jesus is teaching us. Uh, this all took place, we're told, on a Sabbath day. And so Jesus and his disciples come across this man who was born blind. Uh, born blind. You talk about you know, being dealt a, a tough hand and when you come into this world, being born blind is, is pretty challenging. Uh, I have a member of my congregation who's losing her sight. She's blind in one eye and, and gradually losing her sight in the other eye, and she talks about how that disturbs her, and it kind of frightens her. It's sort of a scary thing to not have your, not have your vision. But this man never had vision in the first place. And you think about what his life was like, especially back in those days. Today we can have, have assistance and so forth, but back then you were pretty much left to just... Uh, getting yourself placed along a roadside someplace where you could beg for help, for food, for money, whatever you could do. And that's, that's kind of what, what you were stuck with. So it's a difficult situation this, this man was in, being born blind. And he was probably there along the roadside begging for help, begging for food or money when Jesus and his disciples walked by and saw him there. And this prompted a question from his disciples Here's what they said, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And the question brings out an idea that people in those days often had, which was, and, and people still today, you know, convey that, that thought sometimes, and it's this, that uh, when something bad happens to you in your life, it's because of something bad that you did, right? God is kind of getting you, punishing you for some sin that you, that you committed, and you sometimes hear that sentiment, I think, out in the world around you, and maybe you've struggled with that sometimes yourself. You know, the Bible says that's not the way God operates, but sometimes we, we come to a conclusion like that. What sin did this man do, they are thinking, that resulted in him being born blind? And it was a perplexing thing because 
if it was the man's sin that caused this, well, that didn't make sense because he would have had to commit the sin before he was even born, which, which wouldn't be possible. On the other hand, if it was his parents' sin that caused his blindness, well, that, that didn't seem right. That didn't, didn't seem fair that he should suffer for some sin that, that they committed. And so Jesus clears up the confusion for them by explaining it in this way. He says this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in his life. Sometimes it's that way with us too. When we have difficulties in our life, challenges, it's so that the work of God may be revealed, so that the world can see maybe what God can do to get you through those things. Kind of like that in this instance. Jesus says, this happened to this man. He was born this way so the works of God could be displayed in his life. And then Jesus goes on to do that work of God that he's, that he's talking about. And you heard it described, right? How he spits on the ground and he mixes it with the dirt and he makes this sort of muddy solution and he puts that on the man's eyes and he tells him to go wash in the pool of Siloam, a pool that was kind of on the southeast uh, part of, of the city of Jerusalem. And so the man makes his way over to that, that pool, maybe he got assistance from some people finding his, his way there and there he washes the mud off of his eyes and as he does that uh, suddenly he, he's amazed to see this change that's taking place in his vision and suddenly he's able for the first time in his life to be able to, to actually see. Imagine what that would be like uh, to be able to finally for the first time actually see what everybody else can see and, and talks about. Imagine him running home excited thrilled running home to his family and being able to see them the very first time in his life. Uh, what a change had taken place in that man. But there was a bigger change in store for him. This healing of his physical blindness was not the biggest work of God that Jesus did for this man. We find him catching up to the man later on and doing something much more important for him. He wanted to give this man more than just physical sight, but spiritual sight. You see, this man had another kind of blindness, a blindness that all of us had and have by nature. Now, I don't know how many people are actually born physically blind. I just kind of Googled that and then looked quickly, and it, it's very few. It's like 0.01% of people are actually born blind, uh, according to statistics that they uh, provide. What about spiritual blindness? How many people are born spiritually blind? We don't have to guess about that. The Bible tells us uh, in one place it says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. 100% blindness when it comes to our spiritual sight. We do not come into this world knowing Jesus as our Savior, seeing him as the Son of God and the solution to our, all of our sins and the sure hope that we have for eternal life. Uh, we do not have that vision. That's something we have to receive from God himself. And that's what Jesus provided for this man. Uh, later on, he catches up to the man and he tells him, do you believe in the Son of Man? And uh, maybe you should just explain that term a little bit, the Son of Man. That's kind of code, in a sense, for the Messiah in the book of Daniel. 
he refers to the Son of Man in connection with the promised Messiah, the promised Savior who's coming into the world. So Jesus, in effect, is asking this man, do you believe in the Savior that God has promised to send? And the man replies, who is he? Tell me, so I can believe in him. He doesn't, he's not able to see that Savior. He doesn't know that Savior. Jesus says, you have now seen him. In fact, he's the one speaking to you. And then the man replies, Lord, I believe. Now imagine the change in this man. Not just his physical vision, which changed his life completely, but now even more importantly, his spiritual vision. He sees Jesus as his Savior. It's really the same thing that you and I have experienced, those of us who trust in Jesus as our Savior and know what he did for us. We've been given that spiritual vision. For many of us, that happened when we were baptized, right? Before we were even able to think about it, the Holy Spirit came into our hearts and opened our hearts, opened our eyes to see Jesus. Uh, for others, maybe it happened later on in your life when you first heard about Jesus and the Holy Spirit opened your eyes to see and believe in him and then baptism followed that. But in either case, it's the same thing that this man experienced. Uh, I once was blind, but now I see, right, as we sing in the familiar hymn. Um, this man fell down on his knees and worshipped his Savior, Jesus, and that's kind of what we've been doing ever since we saw him by faith, ever since we came to know him as our Savior. So this man's story really is, is kind of each of our story too, isn't it? Uh, blind people who've been given the sight to see Jesus and know him and what he did to save us. It's not the end of the account, though, is it? What about those other blind people that we read about? Maybe they didn't jump out at you quite as easily for a couple of reasons. For one, they didn't have physical blindness. That wasn't their problem. But the other thing is that they didn't, didn't um, think they were spiritually blind. Right? You know who I'm talking about? The Pharisees that are, are mentioned in these, these verses? They were blind sinners, just like everybody else is in this world by nature. Uh, they weren't any different, but they thought they could see. Being blind but thinking you can see, that's not, not a really good situation, is it? Think of that with, with physical blindness. Years ago, I knew... Uh, an older lady, she was in her 80s, and she was clearly losing her vision and losing her hearing as well, but she refused to admit it. And so she wouldn't, wouldn't get any help for that. And as a result of it, you know, she couldn't see where she was going, and you had to shout at the top of your lungs to be heard by her. In effect, she was blind and, and deaf. Uh, and the problem was that she refused to admit it. She refused to acknowledge that. And that's, that was really the situation with these, these Pharisees. They refused to admit their blindness. Uh, they thought they had everything figured out in their relationship with God, right? They thought it had to do with following God's will, obeying his commands, uh, that by their obedience they could gain his favor and gain eternal life with him. And because of that, because they thought they could see they were not able to see Jesus as the only way to, savior, uh, uh, to be saved. They could not see him as their, their only Savior. Uh, 
Uh, and that comes out in his conversation with them, doesn't it? When we see what happens, uh, they said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. Right? That was their response when the blind man explained how Jesus had given him sight. Uh, this man can't be, the, be from God. He doesn't keep the Sabbath. Remember, this all happened on the Sabbath day. And Jesus is doing this work on the Sabbath, so he can't be the Son of God. He can't be uh, the Messiah that the, the blind man believes him to be. Uh, how can a sinner perform such miraculous signs was their reaction. Um, so there's kind of a, a divide there, right? Some are divided. Some are saying he, he can't be the Messiah. Some are saying, well, how can he do this, this sign, this healing? And what it finally comes to is, is there's, um, they just come to the consensus that, that it's a fraud. He, he must not have really healed this person, this blind man. And they end up just casting the blind man out. And, and kind of left it at that. Jesus later on summed up their, their response in this way, and this is where we get to that paradox. The blind will see, and those who see uh, will become blind. Uh, you can understand what it means now, can't you? Only the blind will see Jesus. Only when we recognize our spiritual blindness, our own shortcomings, our inability to find a way to God, uh, only then are we able to see that God has provided the way to him through his own son, Jesus. And as long as a person thinks they know the way to God, thinks it depends on themselves, their own efforts, well, they're going to be blinded to see Jesus as the way, the only true way that leads to him. So where does this leave all of us here today? Where do we fit into this? Kind of a good way to look at us, any account from the Bible. Where do you see yourself in it? And I think we probably all see ourselves with that, that blind man. We can kind of relate to him the spiritual blindness and how we were blind, but now we can see. But maybe the warning, warning for us to take home or take to heart today is the concern about losing your spiritual vision. Right? Can that happen? Does that happen in the lives of Christians? Sometimes it, it can work that way, can't it? That you develop what we might call spiritual blind spots. And that's where you can see all kinds of sins out there in the world around you or people around you, but you're kind of blind to your own, your own sins, your own shortcomings. Um, maybe you look at society around you, you see so many just kind of blatant, sinful things that happen and, and it desensitizes you to your own sins that seem much lesser in comparison. You know, there's so much, for example, so much... Uh, sexual immorality, let's say, out in the world there. And you kind of become blind to your, your lust. That, that's just as sinful, God says. It seems kind of small, minor in comparison. Or maybe you see so many people whose, whose relationships, their marriages are, are broken and messed up and, and you kind of are blinded and don't see the problem with your own kind of marriage spats and the lovelessness you display to your to your spouse, you know, that, that kind of thing. Or maybe we see the materialism in the world, so much greed that, that's around you and it sort of blinds us to see our own love for money and, and attachment to creature comforts and, and things like that when that becomes too important to us. So the point is we, we can kind of become blind to our own sinfulness. And what happens then? Then we start to lose sight of our need for the Savior that Jesus is. 
because we're not seeing as much our, our shortcomings, our sins that, that need his, his forgiveness. Solution to that? Well, we, we need to, if we want to use this image some more, pull out the eye chart of God's word, right? And there it tells us like it is. There we see God's will. There we see what he wants of us, what pleases the Lord, as we read in our, our lesson from Ephesians earlier. We see that in God's word. And so we need to go to the Bible. We need to look at the commandments. And that clarifies our vision and it helps us to see the problems in our lives, the sins that exist in our lives. But we don't want to stop there by any means. Uh, what we need to do then is look at Jesus and see clearly what he did for us. See clearly what he was willing to sacrifice for you and for me. See what he endured on that cross as he took all of our sins all of our blindness and paid for it as if it was his own. Or you think of Jesus on the cross and the darkness, maybe not blindness, but the darkness he experienced for those hours on the cross, right, when his father turns his back on him and he's suffering the very pangs of hell itself because he's carrying our sins there and in our blindness and suffering in our place. Look to Jesus and that'll sharpen your, your vision and what a wonderful Savior you have, the love he has for you, and the power he has for you to forgive you. He rose from the dead on Easter morning, proving who he is, proving